Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. This tale is called Agreement with Fire. And dear listener, if you want to submit your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Makia, the generals and I have come up with a plan to deal with the elves of Jekta. We pray the gods are on our side of this war. If not, this may be the last letter that finds you. The Jekta elves have a weapon that they sprung on us two nights ago. Their use of magic particles is far superior to what our intel has led us to believe. They use the cover of darkness to move that gigantic monstrosity without our notice. We had been pushing them back into Jekta. General Aizen is a master tactician. He had us make natural barriers on paths that led into Skygold. The Jektorians took the bait and used the Oberyn Pass. General Aizen knew about the floods that filled the pass during that time of year. As he predicted, the elves marched due without taking the necessary precautions. It diminished their numbers down quite a bit, but we were still outnumbered 8 to 1. They lost a sizable amount of equipment as well as provisions, which thankfully slowed them down a few days. It gave us enough time to gather enough humans from the nearby kingdoms to finish these elves. With their weakened forces, we sprang down on them. Our recon team had notified us they had made it through the pass. Once we had gathered, the men split the army into three units. The largest was to attack the Jektorians head-on while they were still unprepared. The second unit was sent around the pass to the top on each side with heavy crossbows. They were instructed to stay hidden until the Jektorians were pushed back into the pass and then rain bolts on them. The last team was stationed just on the outskirts of the pass entrance to pick off any scragglers and to give the illusion of us having substantially more men than we had. Makia, it worked so well. Unit A was doing great. We had several losses, but their lives were not in vain. The fumbling elves broke apart from our pressure. Their leaders were yelling out orders, but they were being drowned out by our fury. When one of us fell, three more took their place. The elves retreated into the pass. Unit A pushed until they reached the entrance. They stood there and cheered. They began throwing rocks and jeering at them. One of the soldiers towards the back blew into a horn. That was the signal for Unit B. We cheered louder. The Jektorians noticed we stopped at the entrance to start slowing down. They were taking some time to breathe. That is when the sky temporarily blackened from a volley of our bolts. Makea, death had never looked so beautiful. The more experienced fighters were able to react in time to find some protection, but another chunk of the elves were sent to the pits they had crawled out of. With our rough estimation, we were finally equal in number. Squatsy was letting them take off, but shooting down elves as they saw fit. They were instructed to not follow, but to kill. The plan finished without any problems. We cheered as the last elf in sight was taken down by one of my comrades. Squad A rushed into the pass. They could see Squad B parting from the top. The battle was ours. That night, Makia, we feasted. The soldiers set up camp in the pass and it offered a decent amount of protection. General Eisen was hoisted up on our shields as he rose to the top. He was a great man, always dependable. I have never heard him even put down a soldier, even when they deserved it. He is the prime example of what a leader should look like. Makia, that is who I aspire to be in the army. I want to be people someone can rely on. Someone that is undeniable. Not just for the cause, but for character. That is also what I would want for our son. I pray to the Firefather that Kuon will not have to deal with these elves. But if I fail, I want my story to be a great example for him. If I don't come back, I want you to tell him I love him with all I have, and that every elf I kill is so that you and him can have a better life. I will fight for our freedom until my final breath. I know I'm writing like I will never see you or my boy again, but when they unleashed their particle cannon, the demeanor of the whole army shifted. They moved quieter than we thought possible. I think that those damned high elves might have allied themselves with the drow. That is the only explanation I can think of. We stayed in camp for a couple of days. 
The following morning, we were alerted by the guards that they had noticed movement in the forest. We had anticipated there might be a counterattack, so we had been on high alert. The camp woke up. We all started gearing up. Before we were ready, we heard a horn sound not too far north of the camp. A band of marauders charged the gate we had set up. They were able to overtake the station guards. To arms, Philians! To arms! We heard General Eisen yell. The readied guards charged to the front of the camp to meet the marauders. Unlike the forces we had fought before, these were wild. They had no formation, no plan. They just attacked. It only took a small group of men to take care of them. We had been trained for dealing with bandits like these, and another horn trumpeted. By this time, most of us were ready for combat. Now, dozens of screams resonated through the forest. Have they turned barbarian? One of my mates asked. The screams only seemed to increase in number. The ground was starting to tremble a little. Bugbear formation, Eisen yelled. We separated into smaller cohorts of 20. Five of the 20 was lined up in the front with their shields out for defense. Ten of them were all lined up behind them with crossbows loaded. The remaining five served as floating defense waiting for any unexpected attacks. Four of these cohorts went to the edge of the gate waiting for what was coming. The ground was shaking a little more violently. Prepare yourself, men. The shaking of the ground tells me they have regrouped with reinforcements. No matter how many there are, we will not give up. They are your wives, children, family, and friends. They are why we stand here today. Let your nerves fuel your passion to protect those you love. We all yelled in unison as we prepared for the incoming army. Twenty-five rabid-looking elves rushed from the woods towards us. The closest cohort to them sprung into action. The front five interlocked shields. The offensive five shot their bolts. Ten of the elves dropped to the floor. Rage and bear! Yelled the cohort lead. The floating five replaced their shields with spears and charged the approaching elves. They rushed in before they could get too close to give the offensive enough time to reload. Our units are sturdy and difficult to break. The floating five did their job well, keeping the elves busy while the rest of them reloaded. Mama bear! Yelled the cohort lead. The floating five formed a circle with their shields outwards. The elves encircled them. They attacked, trying to dismantle the formation. Fire! Yelled the cohort lead. The offensive ten fired their bolts. One by one, the rest of them fell. The floating five pushed the bodies off them and joined the rest of their cohort, a little confused. Do you see that? Asked a soldier from another cohort as he pointed to a light beyond the woods. The ground. The ground is still shaking too, said another. The cohort that took that the marauders were heading back towards the rest of the army when they heard a different horn blast. That light is getting closer, said the same soldier. A blue beam shot straight through the woods. The beam enveloped the whole cohort. At first, they looked fine. Seconds later, their screams filled the air. Their hair turned gray. Wrinkles spread throughout their body. They all hunched over, grabbing various body parts. Not soon after, they were skeletons, before eventually turning to dust and being taken by the wind. Their armors clanged on the ground with nothing to prop them up. We all stood there shook. What? What just happened? Asked a soldier, before his cohort fell prey to the same fate. Retreat! We heard Eisen yell. In a panic, men dropped their weapons and ran back towards the Cilia Fila. I ran with all I had. All around me, my brothers were turning into dust. There was no time to mourn, I told myself. I didn't stop until the pass was far behind me. Makia, I write to you now in the camp south of Fia. Our forces are shaken and scared. I ask the Firefather again that this is not the only piece of me that you have after this battle. Give my love to our son. May the Firefather grant us victory in this life or the next. I love you more than any honor, more than any riches, more than life. Stay safe. Eternally yours, Zeon. Zeon folded the letter to his wife and placed it in an envelope. He took a lit candle and spilled some hot wax on the seal. He took the ring from his hand and sealed the letter with the insignia of his clan. He sighed. Zeon sat on his bed and pulled out some cleaning gear to start polishing his weaponry.
He was midway through wiping bloodstains from his undergarment when a soldier peeked his head through his tent. Sergeant Zeon, the general would like you to report to him immediately. He put down the rag, walked into his bathroom to look in his mirror. Damn, I look like shit, he muttered. Zeon put on a thicker piece of garment to block in the seasonal cold. He looked outside his tent. There were a few guards by various campfires, but the camp felt empty. There was no excitement, no smiles. Even with some soldiers there, it still felt lonely. He left the tent to the nearest campfire. The soldiers there just looked at him and returned to their state of daydreaming. He felt as if he should say something to cheer him up, but what could he say? What could he do? Disappointed in himself, he made his way to General Eisen's tent. He walked into an already started meeting. Zeon recognized most, but not all the faces there. Welcome, Zeon. We have important business to discuss, said General Eisen. Zeon walked towards the table. By the other member's uniform, he could tell that he was the lowest rank there. At the table lay a map of the Oberyn Pass. Figures lay in various places that he figured were their forces in the Jectorians. Now that we are here, let's start. I've called you all here as my most elite warriors. They did a surprise on us, and we suffered some devastating losses. But there is some light in the darkness. Our recon troops has found the location of that weapon they used, stated the general. I want the small team to sneak our way there to destroy it. I've sent a message to the king for reinforcements. In the meantime, we gotta destroy that abomination before they arrive. We gotta give them every advantage we can. Is that even possible? They took a great number of our forces with almost little to no effort to their main force, said one of the people Zion didn't know. It was then that Zion noticed the redness of Aizen's eyes. He had been crying. From the tremble in his voice, he could tell that he was trying to hold back tears. I'm sorry I did not see it coming. I'm sorry that so many of our men passed. As your general, all blame falls on me. They visit me every night in my dreams. Every single one of their names will be ingrained in my memory. Their faces, their families, their friends. I will find all to apologize. Men, I'm sorry. Aizen, stop it, said one. It was not your fault. Aizen, you can't hold that burden. Aizen raised his hands for silence. The room quieted down. We do not have time for this right now. All I need to know is, are you all with me? Everybody nodded. Aizen laid his plan out to his soldiers. That night, they left camp without anybody's knowledge. They made their way back through the pass, using the cover of boulders and a few magical items to mask their presence. Aizen alerted them of various squads monitoring the area. Moving as if they'd known each other for decades, they silently took out unit after unit on their path to their target. There were fewer resistances than they had anticipated. After the 8th group of fallen elves, they made their way to the weapon that caused them so much sorrow. Standing on a pedestal on wheels was a 4 meter long cylindrical slab of wood. It was etched with different colored linear designs. At the back were two gigantic antennas with rings around them. There was no one on watch. They did a quick sweep of the area. Quickly, break and dip, said Aizen. The soldiers tried to move, but they found themselves stuck. Looking around, they saw nothing out of the usual. Aizen activated one of his magic rings. A layer of magic that encompassed the room dissipated. Xian could feel control return to his legs. That is when the shadows they had been using betrayed him. The soldier's shadows stopped reacting to their movement like they suddenly had a mind of their own. Arms and legs emerged from them. Standing before them were the same elves that had rushed them from the woods. They have allied with the drow. Stand ready, Aizen yelled. The soldiers gripped their sword or spears and jumped into action. For a team of that level, those elves were nothing but cockroaches. They sliced, diced, and decapitated, yet drow kept climbing out of the shadows. Soon the bodies of the elves littered the floor. It had become slippery from all the blood. Camino fell when he slipped on a garment from a dead elf, and a posse of drow leapt on him with their daggers. His screams couldn't be heard over the sound of their laughing. Get the destroyer, yelled Wanton. Xian looked over to see a Jectorian elf manning the wooden weapon. He then noticed the ground had begun humming. The etched lines had started glowing. There was also a humming getting louder. 
Scatter, yelled Aizen. The humans followed his orders, each going in their own direction. A majority of them still had their eyes on the destroyer. Xion saw Dis, a commanding officer from another squad, die. One of the drow had stabbed him in the back. He dropped his shield to try and remove the blade and finish them off. He just couldn't do it fast enough. A plethora of drow took that chance to jump at his vitals, biting and clawing. The Jectorian elf laughed. Now you all do! The destroyer shifted effortlessly for an object of that size. The light at the end of the cylinder was ready. Xion could tell. The drow now started to hold on to all the soldiers. They're trying to hold us in place! yelled another. Xion could tell that all his comrades were breathing hard. This wasn't supposed to happen again. The Jectorians and the Drow tribes hated each other as much as they hated them. This made no sense to him. Their moves were slowing down. Strikes were weaker. They were being held down. The beam launched. As it did before, it disintegrated every mortal being in its path. Helpless, Xion watched as four more of his comrades ceased to exist. The beam was now approaching the direction of Aizen. Xion tried to struggle free with no progress. He cast one of the few spells he knew. A thunderous force sprung from him. Most of the elves were repelled. He hacked at the ones that weren't and ran to help Aizen. Aizen looked that he had accepted his fate. His face was covered in blood, dust, and sweat. The beam was coming at him quickly. Xion pushed himself harder than he thought he could. Before the beam could touch Aizen, Xion pushed him out of the way. He saw Aizen land to the ground safely. Instead of looking relieved, he looked worried. Xion tried to use his front leg to pivot but he fell on his face. Pain ran throughout his body. He tried to get up. His body wasn't responding. He looked down to see his right leg up to the thigh was gone. He went to tear a piece of cloth to stop the bleeding from his missing leg when he saw his right arm was gone as well. He felt nauseous. Whether it be from blood loss or shock, he started fading out of consciousness. He managed to flip himself over to his back. Xion wanted one last look at the night sky before he died. Where the moon should be, he saw a group of figures flying through the sky. They all had white robes with orange outlines. They all wore hoods seemingly made of fire. Then it all went black. Xion opened his eyes. He looked around. He was in bed with bandages on his arm and leg. He saw the banner of Fila. Xion heard their voices speaking through the halls. Listening closely, he realized it was common, not elvish. Relieved, he faded back into a deep slumber. He was woken up by someone calling his name. Xion! Xion, wake up! said the voice. Xion saw that he was surrounded by Commander Wanton and a group of medical professionals. Commander Wanton looked at Xion with a smile. Sergeant Xion, welcome back. Thanks to you, the general is alive, and we would like to thank you for that. I am sorry to hear that it came at the cost of your arm and a leg. Is he safe? Xion asked. He is alive. Wanton paused for a moment. He's in a coma. They say they don't know when he will get up, but they are doing whatever it takes. Tell me what I need to do. Xion asked. They must pay. He growled. You go home, Xion. In this next phase, you are currently not useful. You and your family will be taken care of for the rest of y'all's lives. You will retire as the hero protector, Xion. But I want to fight. They must. Wanton held up his arms. The leaders have spoken. You leave tomorrow, hero. Enjoy retirement. He turned and left with the group. The moment the door closed, five pillars of flame erupted in the room. Out of the flames came out five figures with white robes with orange outlines. Now being so close to them, Xion saw their hoods were made of fire. They approached his bed. Hero protector. The Firefather does not wish the end for you, they all said in unison. Jekta must fall. Ofa, Lord of the Elves must collapse. Fight for the Firefather, and you will be a warrior once more. Yes, Xion said without any hesitation. Where his arm and leg were cut off emitted a flame the same color as the figure's hoods. The flames grew and formed into a new arm and leg. As he thought, the new limbs reacted. They serve as evidence of the contract with the Firefather. Xion rose from the bed. He jumped around a few times to test out his new leg. 
Hero Protector, you must go to Spring Valley and find these four adventures for your journey. Xian had never thought his life would go this way. All his prior strength was taken in an instant. The hole that was present was already being set ablaze. He felt a new strength fill him. A strength that could be more reliable. Yes, he told the figures. The fire from his limbs spread across his body. He felt a slight heat cover him, but it didn't hurt. When it resided, he donned the gear of the Fire Father. He bowed towards the figures. He walked past them to the window. He looked around, then hopped out. I'm coming for you, Jekta, he muttered. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. If you want to share your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this tale, share it with your friends, family, and adventuring party. And if you can, please leave a review to help this reach the entirety of the planes of existence. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for teasers and updates. Again, thanks for listening, and return in a fortnight for the next episode. That's two weeks. Bye!